Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, your host, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master. Part of that move is building your base, a strong foundation to excel as a product manager. A lot of us deal with the same issues. We can't find time to work with customers. We don't know how to respond to the conflict and requests we get nearly daily. We're unsure how to define success for our product. And we wonder exactly what we should be doing each day. This leaves us feeling overwhelmed and not really in control of what we are doing. But it isn't that way for everyone, and it doesn't have to be for you. There is a simple, structured, and substantial framework that equips you to overcome that overwhelm. It's called the IDEA Framework, and I teach it in an online course you take at your own pace. The last time I opened the IDEA Framework was in January. I'm opening it again now because some listeners have asked for it and shared that their company will pay for the cost of the course if it can be purchased this year. And I'm doing something really special for you because you listen to this podcast. I will always provide great deals to listeners. I really want to take special care of those that invest time in listening to this podcast. So I created a page just for listeners for you to learn more about the IDEA framework, a page that provides you a 20% discount on the course. And you'll find it at theeverydayinnovator.com slash IDEA. That's I-D-E-A. You have to remember that because I'm not posting it anywhere else. It's just for listeners. Again, that's theeverydayinnovator.com slash IDEA. The most frequent feedback I hear from product managers who I teach is, I wish I had known this sooner. And I want you to get this knowledge sooner and not later. My personal mission is to inspire and equip product managers to have greater influence in their organizations and over product. This is what it means to make your move from product manager to product master. How does the idea framework fit into this? Well, it's the foundation. And it is a huge foundation, like Smithsonian huge. It covers the entire breadth of product management and innovation. I really hope you check it out. You'll find that it makes you a product manager that doesn't feel overwhelmed, but instead gives you that feeling of being in control. And when you learn the foundation, I know you'll say, I wish I had known this sooner, because so many others have. So take action now and don't wait any longer to take control of your career. There's never going to be a sooner time than now, and enrollment will be closing soon because I want to do it as a group and provide some special webinars as we move along together. You'll learn more at theeverydayinnovator.com slash idea, I-D-E-A. That's a link that will redirect you to my training site, and if you need help getting your company to pay for the course, just let me know. Now, on to the interview that you've been waiting for. This may be just the most important interview yet, and while it does not directly deal with product management concepts, it does deal with success concepts. The upcoming discussion is about the book The Muse called the number one best career book. The book title is Insight, Why We're Not as Self-Aware as We Think, and How Seeing Ourselves Clearly Helps Us Succeed at Work and in Life. I discuss the key concepts of being more self-aware with the Insight author, Dr. Tasha Yurik. Tasha is an organizational psychologist, researcher, and New York Times bestselling author. She's helped thousands of leaders and teams improve their effectiveness through greater self-awareness, and you'll see why when you listen to her. In the interview, she shares two categories of self-awareness and how you can be more self-aware yourself. 
It's an important topic because greater self-awareness means greater success. And remember, I take notes for you. So if you hear something that you want to review later, just head over to theeverydayinnovator.com slash 152, where you'll find a summary of our discussion. Please enjoy the interview. Tasha, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm excited to talk. This is an area that I think is important to anyone developing in their careers, especially as product managers who are, are starting to move more towards leadership roles and just uh, growing their influence in the organization. And that topic is being more self-aware, something you know a good deal about and have written about. And I like starting with kind of a foundation, you know, getting our, our terms in line, make sure we know what, what we're talking about and on the same page. So let, let's start there. What is self-awareness? This seems like a really easy question to answer. And I thought it would be about four or so years ago when I really started exhaustively researching this topic. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that it's a term that people throw around and they usually mean different things and and not just sort of um, an average everyday manager, but also researchers. They were just all over the map with how they were defining it. So our team spent almost a year just going over almost Mm -hmm. 800 studies to try to figure out what is this thing we call self-awareness. And the the other side of that process is really that self-awareness is two main categories of information about ourselves. The first is something I call internal self-awareness, which is um, really understanding who we are, what makes us tick, what we want to accomplish, what we're passionate about, um, all of those internal reflections and insights that are so valuable in today's world. The other side of the coin is something we call external self-awareness. And that one's a little scarier, but just as important. And it's essentially knowing how other people see us. And fascinatingly, what our team has found in our research is that those two types of self-awareness are completely independent. So you think about somebody who is high on internal, but low on external, for example. This is a a classic navel gazer, somebody who, uh, you know, self-examination is a hobby for them. But maybe if you ask their friends, how does this person show up every day? Their friends are going to say, oh my gosh, this person's a total jerk and they have no idea. Or the other end of the spectrum is someone who is high on external self-awareness and low on internal. That's somebody who sort of is so beholden to what other people think of them and doing what other people um, want that they have either lost sight of or they don't even know what they really want. Hmm. And so what we've learned in our research is there's so much power in building both of those types of self-knowledge. So that's really the name of the game. I'm curious as you talk through that. I tend to be a pretty good chameleon so I can fit into other settings really well. I'm wondering what that means about me, right? If I, if I emphasize more the external or, or what that means. Any, any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're attuned to the external side of it because I think people who are chameleons are great at reading a room. They're good at understanding how they're impacting somebody in a particular moment. And so that's great. And usually what I tell people is, most of us are a little bit more attuned to one of those types of self-awareness than the other, even if it's by just a hair. Mm -hmm. So stepping back for you, the question might be, okay, I'm going to keep exploring this external side and, you know, getting as much feedback as I can and being as, as, you know, sort of visible as I can in that world, but also internally to say, do I really know what I want? Am I following my passions? Do I have an appreciation of kind of how I want to show up and who I want to be? So I think that's a great example of where, you know, it's sort of a starting point and then we can build in that other side of it. 
That, that's excellent. Uh, good feedback for me. There's like personal counseling right now that everyone can Yeah, say, exactly. Let's to. tell me about your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go deep. <laughs> when it comes to our career development, where does this really fit in? How does increasing this, you know, internal and external self-awareness perspective of ourselves help us with our career progression? So I call self-awareness the meta skill of the 21st century. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, on on the sort of most basic level, people who are self-aware are better performers at work. They get more promotions. They're better communicators, better collaborators, better negotiators. Um, They are more successful leaders. And there's actually evidence that shows self-aware leaders lead more profitable companies. So really powerful set of outcomes there. But the reason it's the meta skill is if you think about all of the capabilities that we need to be successful in today's business environment, things like emotional intelligence, communication, collaboration, our self-awareness basically sets the upper limit for how effective we'll be able to be at each of those things. Hmm. You probably can't think of any good communicator you know um, that isn't self-aware. You might think of the worst communicators you know. Those are typically people who lack self-awareness. And so if we work on the skill and if we work on you know seeing ourselves clearly and knowing how other people see us, it allows us to open up potential for performance and fulfillment and just general kind of meaning in what we're doing that, that spreads to all areas of our lives. And by the way, the research on this shows that it's not just work that gets better. It's, it's really our whole lives and our whole careers. So it spills over everything. It does in the best possible way, right? That's excellent. Right. And the thing that stood out in what you said too, was that it's not just that it makes you better at everything that you do, but also we we have have this metric that the leaders that are more self-aware are leading more profitable companies. There there must be Isn't that amazing? Yeah. There's some good ingredients there that work together, right? A good, good synergy. This sounds really promising, right? That we, we can do a better job. We can probably enjoy our work more, collaborate better with others just by being more self-aware about how we think about ourselves and how others are actually seeing us. And yet, so many of us are not, right? And I'm sure listeners, everyday innovators, we can all think of someone right now who our perceptions of them are probably very different than we know what their own perceptions are. And there's been some writing going on about the the so-called jerks in Silicon Valley, right? Mm-hmm. And some, some of these rather prominent leaders that their employees have a very different perspective of them than what we might see in the media or see what their accomplishments are. Why is it that we have trouble being more self-aware? What are these you know blind spots that we have that we don't know what we should know about ourselves? So I'll start with a pretty disarming statistic. Our research has shown that 95% of people think that they're self-aware, but the percentage of people that actually are is closer to about 10 to 15%. Hmm. So the joke I always make about that is on a good day, 80% of us are lying to ourselves about whether we're lying to ourselves. And I share that not as a um, you know reason to despair. The, the good news, again, that we found is almost anyone can improve their self-awareness. Mm. But to your point, to get past that, we sort of have to go against not just the way we're wired as humans, but the world that we live in. So there's kind of two major buckets of reasons that I think we are, um, you know, we're in such a dire circumstance. 
internally, the way humans are built, um, we have, for example, this unconscious, you know, sort of existence, this, this type part of ourselves that is so deeply embedded in our consciousness that no matter how hard we try, we can't always be aware of what we're thinking or what we're feeling or even be objective and understanding how we're behaving. And there's a, there's a reason for that. At any given moment, human beings are processing 11 million pieces of information. And from a survival standpoint, think about that. If, if we were consciously processing 11 million pieces of information, our brains would explode. Uh-huh. So there is a reason for it, but it, it gets in our way. You know, you, you mentioned the people that just have absolutely no idea how their team sees them. As, as an executive coach and an organizational psychologist, I work with those people all the time. And part of it is just getting them data. You know, how are other people seeing you? So right. that's one piece is our, just our, 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 our biases that are built into the way we're wired. The second piece is what we face in our external environment. Think about, you know, just worldwide, not even just in the U.S., not even just with millennials, but all of us are being tempted to become more self-absorbed and less self-aware. And there's so many causes of that. It's the, you know, the failed self-esteem movement, which is probably its own podcast in and of itself, you know, where everybody gets a ribbon. There's this idea of social media where I'm going to post something about, you know, uh, my child's half birthday and expect that everyone cares, (laughs) you know, everyone's going to comment and like that. And so there's this current and I I call it the cult of self that Mm. we're just being uh, tantalized and tempted to join. And the most self-aware people from our research and, and my work, again, in organizations, actively fight that. They, they are cognizant of how much they're getting sucked in on any given day, and they're willing to pull back and to focus on other people, to be humble, to realize that they are not, in fact, the center of the universe. And, and so, you know, just stepping back, those two things, they can be counteracted, but it really requires conscious effort and um, a lot of daily work. And not being self-absorbed and caring more about others, it sounds like. That's it. Yeah. The polar opposite of self-awareness, in my opinion, is self-absorption. So there is hope here. So, I, you know, th- those of us in the 80% majority, we, we can feel good that we're not alone. But there's also things that we can do to become more self-aware. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment because Tasha has more very valuable information for us. But first, I wish to welcome you to a new segment of the Everyday Innovator called, I Wish I Had Known That Sooner. That is what I most often hear when I train product managers. I'm telling me, I wish I had known that sooner, so it's a fitting name. Recently, I participated in the annual Product Development and Management Association Conference. I co-facilitated a session with a senior product manager at Boeing, a person who had also previously taken one of my online courses. The session was about how to apply the Lean Canvas tool to construct a minimum viable business case. People really enjoyed it, and that's because it was just so applicable. We made it interactive and really information that they could put in action immediately. We started by asking the participants for a product concept that we could develop together. And the winning idea was a companion robot for senior citizens. We then completed the one-page Lean Canvas, examining the nine key areas that are shown on that one page. We spent an hour discussing details, but I want to give you the highlights because you can really move through this pretty quickly yourself or do it with a group of your own. The first area is gaining clarity about the customer segment, which we identified as the adult children of seniors who live alone. 
they'd actually be buying this companion robot for their, their parents. Next, we identified problems these seniors would face, such as remembering to take the correct medication. Then came a description of the value proposition where we brainstormed phrases around constancy, never being alone, always being connected to your loved one, and more ideas like that. Next was to explore specifics of solutions for each of the problems that we previously discussed. Channels for reaching the ideal customer, the adult children of seniors living alone, were then identified. And then we transitioned to the financial aspects, considering a revenue model, such as a subscription service, and the cost structure of developing and launching the product. Key leading metrics to gain insights into product market performance were discussed. And finally, we examined potential unfair advantages we could have related to developing the product. In a few minutes, you can have a one-page minimum viable business case, too. It's a great collaboration tool for discussing the product concept with people from engineering, marketing, finance, the executive team, and others, because it really covers that full picture in a very efficient way to give us insights into, is this really a viable product concept or not? The Lean Canvas is one of many tools and concepts explored in the Idea Framework online course. See all that is covered in the course at theeverydayinnovator.com slash idea, I-D-E-A. Be sure to check it out because enrollment will be closing. I hope you enjoy this new I Wish I Had Known That Sooner segment for product managers and innovators. Now back to the interview with Tasha. And as you were talking through that, I know when we chatted earlier that you used to do some work at the Center for Creative Leadership. And I had this really interesting experience. Um, and listeners may have heard me share this once before on the podcast that I went to their um, leadership development program and, uh, you know, there were 11 of us and 13 people watching us all the time. Right. So the, the, lots of feedback was great. Psychologists with clipboards, basically. <laughs> yep. And yeah. at this point in my life, you know, I, I was uh, pretty young in, in my twenties. It was a great experience for me. And at the time I, w- if I, I had taken the Myers-Briggs t- type indicator just a few years before that, and I was as far over on the introvert side uh, as you possibly can get. So really highly introverted. They had this one exercise where they gave us a problem. We're sitting together as a team. You know, we hadn't worked with each other, but we're supposed to be a team. And they videotaped our interactions. And in my head, this is my self-awareness going on. I am really contributing in this meeting because I am thinking through the problem. I'm considering everything that's being said. I am making a list in my head of possible options for us. And I am participating, right? And then I watched the video later. I have this blank look on my face. It looks like I'm totally disengaged with the meeting. And it was such a wake-up call about a blind spot I have between how I think I am, (laughs) what's going on, uh, versus what's going on externally with me. And that was just a really useful tool. And I'm curious about other tools, right? What can we do to help us get on this path of becoming more self-aware? So I love that story because I think it's it's everything about a great insight that can just help sort of propel us to a new level of understanding. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned earlier that distinction between internal and external self-awareness. And that's kind of a good way to divide and conquer all of the things that you can be focused on. So in your case, that was a great external self-awareness insight mm-hmm. where while the way I'm showing up might not be the way I'm actually or the way I think I'm showing up is not the way I'm actually showing up. And so just in general, anyone who wants to work on their external self-awareness, part of it is a mindset. What you have to do is you have to take a step back and acknowledge that in so many situations, no matter how unfair it is, 
other people see us more objectively than we see ourselves. And there's countless research on this. Um, I could go into a lot of geeky stuff that probably is not that interesting, but trust me, the research is there. Mm -hmm. And so for people that are are highly self-aware and that work at it every day, one of the simplest ways to build their external self-awareness is to just get more feedback. And I know that's more complicated than it sounds, and we can certainly talk about some tips and tricks there. But just having this curious, open mindset about, you know, seeing ourselves the way other people see us. Uh, there's one tool I talk about in my book specifically that I call the, the dinner of truth. And in the dinner of truth, what you do is you find someone who uh, you trust, who, you know, you value your relationship with them, but somebody who you believe will level with you. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say to take them to dinner is you can have a, a, a nerve diffusing adult beverage if you want. Um, it's kind of a nice intimate way of, of talking with them. But the question you're going to ask is, what do I do that is most annoying to you? And then you listen. And you ask questions and you're curious and you fight that defensiveness with every fiber of your being. Uh And the beauty of that, and again, I I would never put anything in my book that I haven't done myself many, many times. So I've been through many dinners of truth. And the beauty of it is it becomes this affirming experience. As crazy as that sounds, every time I've done it, I've walked away with a really powerful insight and a deeper relationship with that person who I shared that conversation with. So that's kind of one easy, quick way. Mm-hmm. That's external self-awareness. And let me ask you about this a little bit more, this dinner of truth. So right. getting feedback to help us with that external perspective that others have. One, I notice you do not say your spouse, if you have or a spouse. Or... <laughs> you can if you want. <laughs> so that we might get some other interesting things that come out of that. And you might need more time than a dinner to possibly work through that. Don't know. Feedback is this scary word for a lot of people. And the way I'm wired, I, you know, I view feedback as this precious gift that we too rarely get in life. And one of my uh, work experiences, after every meeting we would have with customers, I would ask the team afterwards, say, okay, what could I have done better in that? And let's let's give each, each other feedback. And that just seemed like a normal sort of thing. And I found out that no one does this, that, <laughs> that f- feedback is scary for most people. Just untangle that for us a bit. You, you said, you know, find someone you really trust that can be objective, but trust and kind of speak truth into your life with you. But how can you get your hands just around the idea of, okay, feedback can be a good thing? Mm-hmm. So this is a big question. To answer it, I'm going to maybe take a step back and tell you about one part of our research that really illuminated this for me. Mm-hmm. One of the things we did was find highly self-aware people who didn't start out that way. Hmm. And we went through this really exhaustive interview process. It was 50, five, zero people. And we had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of transcripts of what these people whom we called unicorns hmm. do differently. And what was so fascinating to me was I expected that when I, when I asked them about feedback, they would say things like, Oh, I love getting feedback. I ask everyone for feedback. It's the best thing ever. But what I heard was very different. What they said was, Oh my gosh, are you kidding? I hate hearing that I'm not perfect. It's scary. It's terrifying. It requires a lot of courage. But the difference between self-aware people and the rest of us 
is they push through that fear. You know, there's, there's that FDR quote that, you know, there's something more important than your fear. And in this case, it's that Uh self-awareness. And I think that's a really powerful lesson for all of us. You know, there are, and I talk about several techniques in my book about how to really kind of get through that emotional process. But I think even at a more basic level, it's about saying, yes, this is scary. And I'm going to do it anyway, because I believe that what's on the other side is far more powerful, far more important than the fear I'm feeling in this specific moment. And that's something that our unicorns taught me that I really will carry with me forever. That's a really helpful insight. I appreciate you sharing that with us, that it's worth pushing through that fear to get the insight, to become more self-aware and to move into that uncomfortableness of, okay, I might not like getting this feedback, but it's going to help me be better in the bigger picture. And the years mount up quickly here, right? The mm-hmm. I, I so much wish I would have done some of the things that we're talking about early, you know, in my twenties, much earlier in my careers, because I still am lacking in self awareness. And the sooner you can get these things under your belt, I think the so much better that is for your career. And as you said, it spills over to, into all aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was one area. You were going to share another one, another tool with us besides feedback. So we're talking about feedback, feedback being the best way to increase external Mm self-awareness. If we go to the other side of the coin, remember internal self-awareness is is just seeing yourself clearly, knowing who you are, how you fit into the world. And there's a lot of research that's very shocking about how how we think we can build internal self-awareness and how we really should be building internal self-awareness. And probably one of the biggest myths about this process that, that we've uncovered is that deep sort of psychological excavation hmm. does not actually produce self-awareness. So let me give you an example. Let's say uh, you know one of your listeners is up for a promotion and they don't get that promotion. What's very common uh, among people who have great intentions of building their self-awareness is to kind of delve into that, you know, and, and the most common question we ask ourselves is why, why didn't I get that promotion? But what the research on this has shown is not only does that why question uh, sort of suck us into a spiral of self-loathing, mm. the insights we think we get from it are not always correct and they're not always helpful. And, you know, again, we could do a whole geeky podcast on this and I'll sort of gloss over the specifics. But in that context, what that means is why is very often the wrong question. So there's a tool I talk about in the book that I call what not why. And where that came from was, again, analyzing these transcripts from our unicorns. What were these people who became highly self-aware? What were they doing differently? And we found that in the transcripts, we, we saw the word why something like 150 times and the word what about, I think it was just a little bit more than a thousand times. Hmm. So what we discovered was our unicorns weren't asking, why didn't I get that promotion? Instead, they were asking future-focused, insight-oriented questions. They were saying, well, what do I need to do to get that next promotion? Or um, what don't I know about why I didn't get this promotion? What feedback do I need to get? Or what lessons can I take moving forward? And, And there's a really, you know, it's a simple word change, but there's a really powerful distinction. Why questions 
suck us into a spiral. They Mm. trap us in our past. They make us feel helpless and hopeless. What questions tend to move us forward with purpose and with uh, insight and with within a sense of empowerment for what we can do in the future? And so that would be probably one of the easiest word swaps I could give your listeners just to start doing right now. People that are that are building their internal self-awareness ask what they don't ask why. Great. And let me just emphasize this part for product managers. We're really good at why questions. So this one might be a bit harder for us to get our hands around, actually. As a product managers, you know, we'll sit down with the customer and talk to them about, well, why do you do that? Why? What's going on? Right. And every response we're we're used to saying why, because we're trying to dig deeper, you know, that the five why tool to really uncover the be empathetic with the customer, really uncover the core issues that are going on at the root of the problem. So for us to have, you know, rewire a little bit, we need to be asking ourselves what is going on in a situation that might be unfavorable, an unfavorable outcome that we want to reflect on and think about what was happening there that we can take action on and not why. And if I could even take that thread with the customer that yeah. you had just for a second, I think you brought up an excellent point. So the the five whys is an important tool and the, the intention behind it is really, really great and I think helpful and powerful where I think we can even improve our interactions with our customers. Mm-hmm. And I say this as a, a service provider and somebody who partners with customers as well is to figure out what are those what questions that help us get to the why. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but for example, if you ask someone else a why question, it might lead to sort of a a direction in the conversation that isn't always productive. You know, if you ask somebody, well, why did you do that? If you're asking about a negative outcome, why questions and other people can sometimes trigger defensiveness Mm -hmm. or they can trigger justifying. But if you said something like, you know, what were you hoping to accomplish by doing that? Then it becomes a totally different conversation, but you're still getting at that inner why. Mm -hmm. Excellent. That, that's a good tip. What were you hoping to accomplish? Will have to be a question we add to our interviews. Mm-hmm. Good. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> I, I love all this information and uh, becoming more aware of our, what's going on internally and more aware of how other people see us externally and how this can really help us exceed in, in our careers and move into more responsible positions in terms of leadership and having more influence in our organizations if that's something we aspire to. And there's so much more we could talk about. Thankfully, you have put a lot of this information and a lot more in your book called Insight. And I love the subtitle here, which is Why We're Not As Self-Aware As We Think and How Seeing Ourselves Clearly Helps Us Succeed at Work and in Life. Can you give us the background on just how that book came about? Obviously, there's a lot of research that went into this. You've alluded to that before. Tell us about that. So it's funny as a as an organizational psychologist, I have you know in retrospect, I, I've built a career on helping other people become more self aware. Mm-hmm. Those people are usually executives in you know mid sized to large organizations, but they've been early stage entrepreneurs, they've been middle managers, they've been aspiring managers. But I think you know, like any great self awareness discovery, I didn't really see that progression until I started looking backwards on it, mm-hmm. and about five. Five years ago, I kind of came to a point in my career where I really wanted to make some kind of an original contribution to the leadership world. And I had written my first book, which I'm very proud of, Bankable Leadership. It was more kind of a nuts and bolts guide for, for leaders and organizations. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to explore something in more depth that would help leaders maybe see something in, in a new way. And one day it just popped into my head. I said, you know what? 
at the core of all of the success I see in my, in my best clients, it's they understand who they are and how they're coming across. And the funny thing was I wasn't expecting to drop everything I was doing for almost four years and kind of get sucked into this like Jackson Pollock, you know, <laughs> like just obsession almost with what I was doing. But as I, you know, we put our research team together and we started reviewing the literature, we started interviewing people and what we learned was so shocking and so uh, sort of game changing, at least in my mind that I said, you know, I've got to pivot my career here. This isn't even just a book, but this is a, this is a life calling. And so that's basically where this has taken me. I, I still do quite a bit of consulting. And the reason that I get out of bed in the morning is to help make the world a more self-aware place. I think in, you know, I've, I've had so many discoveries about my own journey mm-hmm. and saying, I'm in this with everybody else. I am not as self-aware as I thought I was. And also understanding just the, the profound impact on our own lives, on our, our organizations, on our civic institutions, on the world that we can have by being more self-aware. So this is really a calling for me. That's excellent. I, I love the passion behind that. And a lot of this ties into our personal passion too, right? Becoming more internally self-aware. We know what we're connected to. We know what our values are, our principles, what really matters to us. The And that leads to the sort of things that we should be doing in life and who mm-hmm. we should be working with. And uh, th- this all it seems to be very intertwined. So th- thank you for sharing the, the kind of the backstory on that and the work that's gone into it. And it's a key topic. And for everyday innovators listening, uh, Tasha, you're, you're not familiar with this, but it's just to let everyone know real quick. I have this thing called the product mastery roadmap. And there's basically four levels of training to go from the average product manager to a product master. And at that critical third level is where we're really expanding, moving outside of our knowledge of product into working better with others and having more influence across the organization. This is a critical aspect of that, right? This is the progression in our careers of the sooner we can become more self-aware internally and externally, the the more influence we're going to have. So a really key topic to bring it. I appreciate you sharing that with us, Tasha. And as listeners know, I love innovation quotes. So I always ask guests for one. Uh, what do you have for us? So this is my favorite quote of all time. And I think it applies to innovation just beautifully. So it's by Goethe. And he said, whatever you do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Powerful. And tell us how how that has, I mean, it's a great quote for us. How has that impacted you and the work you're doing? So for me, um, it. I think if I if I trace my internal self awareness journey back, I, I mentioned to you earlier I was in the the Fortune 500 world. I was uh, you know sort of working in an internal role. It was very gratifying, but what I realized over time was that secretly deep down I knew that I would never really be happy unless I started my own business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of just, you know, whatever world I'm in, it's maybe not the world I feel like I should be in. And I came across that quote at at a really critical juncture in my career where I was saying, you know, how do I move forward? And what that gave me was just the the permission almost to say, you know what, I don't have to have it figured out. Mm -hmm. What's bold and what's brilliant is just getting started and putting one foot in front of the other every day. And, you know, if it's a new product that everyone thinks is crazy, 
I believe in it and I'm going to take one step at a time or a new business. All my friends told me that I was nuts for quitting this amazing, cushy corporate job. And I said, no, this is what I have to do. So I think it really can apply to any risk we know we should be taking and how to move forward. Right. And if you had not taken that step, you would not be helping us and all the other people that you touch now too. So a really significant step. And that's what we do as product managers and innovators. We are always in that spot of saying, okay, everyone else thinks this is not the right thing to do now. <laughs> if it's a brilliant idea, that probably is the resistance we're getting. And over time, you know, people start supporting it, and then it's everyone's idea. It's a great quote for us. I love it. So how can we find out more about the work that you are doing? Certainly find out about your Insight book and get information on that. And uh, tell us where to go for that. So one of the things I am discovering in the self-awareness journey is it's not about me. It's about the people I'm trying to impact. And so if any of your listeners have been intrigued about their own internal and external self-awareness, uh-huh. we've actually put together a free quiz. It's a subsection of a really long, exhaustive self-awareness assessment. But we put this 14-question, five-minute quiz um, on a website, I'll give you in a second, where you basically get your own view of your self-awareness and you send the survey to someone who knows you well and you get back this very cool report that says, you know, where are you with each of these two skills and what can you do to improve? And so if anybody's interested in taking that, find it at www.insight-quiz.com. Again, that's insight quiz.com. And then that'll take everyone to anything else they want to learn about me. I'm sort of easy to find on the web, but I think if anyone wants to jumpstart their self-awareness journey, that's a great place to start. That sounds like a great opportunity for dinner. So do the quiz, meet up with your, your friend, talk about it. it over dinner. Love it. That'd be excellent. Thank you for sharing that. I love that it's short, right? It's five minutes investment to learn about yourself, give it to a friend, and then have dinner and talk through this. And so again, you said that was insight-quiz.com. That's right. Excellent. And they can also find out about about the book there? Yes, it will take them down a rabbit hole of anything they want to learn about the book or me. Um, But again, first and foremost, I want to help support your listeners. Wonderful. Thank you for doing that. And thanks for your time, Tasha. I so much appreciate learning more about self-awareness and this distinction between the internal perspective and the external. I think that has a lot of richness about how we think about self-awareness. So thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Find the summary of the discussion with Tasha and the valuable quiz she provided us at the everydayinnovator.com slash 152. I hope you check out the quiz. It will help you be more self-aware. Again, that's the everydayinnovator.com slash 152. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.